What's up, Guerrilla Social Workers? Welcome to the Guerrilla Social Work Podcast with your host, Jeff Fire Bunny Moore, and yours faithfully, Mace Warren. Jeff and I are both licensed clinical social workers who specialize in providing forensic psychotherapy to clients involved in the criminal justice system. We truly enjoy the work that we do, and we love sharing our insights with you guys. Thank you so much for your ongoing listenership and subscriptions. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Alpha Counseling and Treatment. Alpha Counseling provides clinical services, case management, and peer support for justice-involved clients, including substance use, sex offense, and really all other court-ordered clinical care. Check out the website at utahsbesttherapy.com today to get started with your personal recovery. Jeff and I sit down today to talk about communicating assertively. Uh, We're posting this podcast around the holidays, so we just got through with Thanksgiving coming up on Christmas. You know, during that time, we often find ourselves in situations with family and friends that lead to conflict. You got your weird aunt coming over. She's talking about her weird political ideologies. You guys get in a fight. The family never talks again for the next year. Maybe you enjoy that. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Um, either way, we hope that this this talk helps you guys kind of weather that storm. Um, communicating assertively, it's a necessary skill anyway when you're dealing with conflict or trying to establish boundaries. So it can be used in really all walks of life, right? Really enjoyed this discussion. We hope you do too. Thanks again, guys, for listening. Please subscribe. Please share with a friend. That always helps us reach a wider and wider audience. And we like the feedback we receive from you guys in terms of what the content of the podcast is. Thanks again, guys. Talk to you soon. music oh so we just kind of jump right in super inspirational (laughs) that was i don't know what that tone was but yeah that was 
Well, the last the last uh, intro music, you, you let it play for a bit, okay. jamming out a little bit. Forgot I was listening to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, some of those, some of those aren't bad, man. Jazzy like, little tune. Jazzy, a jazzy, not not oh. like jazz music. Oh, jazzy is <laughs> jazzine or jazzy, J- jazzy. Oh, yeah, it's okay. jazzy, J- like DJ, DJ jazzy J- Jeff. Yeah, like that. Nice, yeah. nice. I like it. Well, how was how was your Thanksgiving, man? Low key. Yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah, dude. I had I had lasagna. Oh, dude, was yeah. it turkey lasagna? Good for you. Too. Hell yeah, good for you. Yeah, yeah I'm. I was thinking about this. Like, I mean. What's the rule saying you have to cook this dry ass bird on like any of these holidays? I thought it was a rule all up until this last Thanksgiving, and I I ventured forth, ate some lasagna, and like, damn, I I guess I didn't need to eat this dry ass bird. Yeah, was it like what just one of those like pre developed store bought lasagnas, or did you no make way. it from scratch? My uncle has like he he makes it in like giant quantities he like just just to give you some because he freezes it and saves i can't it imagine later. you have any italian roots though so uh do i not look the part you know see my olive skin <laughs> yeah okay yeah he, uh, yep you look like a t- <laughs> typical guido yeah. <laughs> they call me jeffredo <laughs> dude he like just to give you an idea of the quantity eight gallons of sauce for the lasagna so oh, that, like nice. that kind of yeah and it's it's amazing it's like Best best lasagna I've had, but that's what we had. That is that's so um, cr- like sauce is is so crucial for Italian dishes. You know Makes what I mean? It breaks it. And I f- I feel like like a lot of times when I have to order like pizza and stuff, I have to make sure I order extra sauce. I like always every time because you do that too. Oh, every yeah. time, dude, because it's just like they just they're stingy with it, you know? Yeah. And I never and always like when you. I love when you get like breadsticks and they give you those bitch ass marinara. I know, I'm like, like two dips and it's empty. Yeah, I was like, that is half of a breadstick of yeah. sauce. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of dig Little Caesars how they give you, a, you know, like a literal cup. Yeah, of, it's a cup. I like Little that. Caesars has it right. Yeah, yeah, they do. They, I mean, why is it? Is it like, why are they so stingy with it? It's like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's... Well, and I wonder. I want like I like. You know, there to be a pool of sauce when I'm done with my meal. Hell yeah. yeah. And I was, I was wondering because I thought like Italian food was just kind of lazy in its own little way. Cause I was like, well, pasta is pasta is pasta. And I mean, really, what you're doing is changing the shapes of that pasta <laughs> yeah. and then telling me it's different stuff. <laughs> yeah. Rigatoni. Like, yeah. Spaghetti yeah, yeah. and macaroni and rigatoni and tortellini. And they're, they're all the same just thing. Different you know? shaped noodles. However, um, <laughs> My uh, Ed, you know Ed, um, he was his mom was uh, she half Italian and his grandma was from Italy, like an immigrant from Italy, and he told me, or not he told me, she told me, his mom told me that the reason why they have like the whole power of the of the different names is that the the noodles are designed to pick up the sauce differently. Sure, yeah, and so that. that's why <clears throat> that's why they're different dishes. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then, of course, you do different sauces for all those. But, yeah, more sauce. So I'm glad to hear you say that because I was it, – it's always so funny to me when everybody tells me about their 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 way of cooking a turkey, you know. <laughs> See, what I do first is I, you know, marinate it and then I, I do a good rub. And I'm like, well, this is a ton of effort to make this horrible piece of poultry tolerable. That's really – 
all you're going for is tolerability. My wife's not big on turkey either. Well, dude, I was like, I was like thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, well, you know what? If I inject it with like Creole butter and then I deep fry it, <laughs> it's delicious. I'm like, that dude, everything. a raccoon turd would be good if you freaking <laughs> yeah, took it and yeah, injected it with exactly. Creole butter and deep fried it. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm going to, st- I'm going to get away from turkeys altogether because that was the other funny thing is, um, what was that uh, Tim? No, okay. no, 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 no. The Creole butter is like, that's kind of a, um, when you're doing injectables, it's like, I even think that's the name of the company is Creole butter. Oh yeah. But okay. they have, but you just inject all the, you know, everything and, and, and then go from there. I mean, I like, you know, I don't know when I was, when I was back in, um, starting like in my, undergrad i lived with a guy that adam was at um adam one of the co-owners of, of alpha he was at dinner with the other night and he was making fun of me because he said yeah every saturday that guy cooked a turkey and i was like <laughs> so here's the reasons why i was super poor right just like every college kid was and, and you were a meathead w- well that what but but do you know how cheap turkeys are they're I the know. cheapest thing on planet earth so like that's why I would every oh. weekend I'd go buy a turkey. I couldn't afford anything, but I could afford turkey. And I'd cook it and then I'd after that I'd put all the pieces into just, you know, Tupperware and then I'd eat turkey sandwiches the whole week. And I did that for like 2 years. I, you know. No wonder you hate it now. Well, no, it, that's not it. I love turkey sandwiches, you know, but that's because they're drenched in mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, the other stuff. But but it's like uh everything see, that's what I'm saying like that turkey, so when it was so funny this year when people were like, oh, yeah, the supply chain problem and turkeys are up 20%. I was like, oh, no, they're gone from $13 to $15. Whatever <laughs> will we do? You know, like, <laughs> That's true. They were talking about don't, uh, maybe just don't have turkey this time, which we didn't have turkey this time. And we broke the mold, and it was great. Well, but it wasn't because of the two, two extra dollars. Here's the thing, though. Like, there are meats, and and, you know, like chicken's great. But there are meats on this planet that require no special attention other than fire. Milk. And they taste awesome, right? So, like, if I have to go through all it, – it's it's almost like when you, you know, have to dress up a beer, you know, like a – um, like a blue moon is like only good when you put it. an orange slice in it, and a Corona is only good when you put a lime in it. Like yeah. that should be good on its face, not have to add a bunch of one hundred percent. Right. So if you have to do all these things to make this thing tolerable to put in your face, then is it really that good? Because right. I can put a T bone on the on the grill and cook it, and no special attention whatsoever, and it's awesome every time. Yeah, as long as you cook it right, it's amazing. So. I'm going to encourage our listeners to break away from that for the Christmas years. Just get away from thinking you have to cook a turkey and and like Christmas, I've, I'm going prime rib. I'm going to smoke it for eight hours, oh, yeah. you know. Yep. And I have more investment. Oh man, prime yeah. rib, so good. Yeah, dude. so good. Yeah, I'm, that, that's cool to hear that you got rid of lasagna though. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to deal with any unruly family members or anything? No, no, no. Yeah, uh, my uncle's got a. He made himself a wine cellar. It's amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, just kind of went and hung out down there. And yeah, no, no one big really wi- family members. Big wino? No, no need for uh, trying to tamp down emotions around politics or anything else that kind of happens around the, the the usual holiday. What are you talking about? 
There's no politics stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> real, real placid cultural climate right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of what, what I. What about you? I mean, mm, people well, firing it up around your, or is everybody in your family kind of see I, things the same? Oh, um, well, I hurt my back, so. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. So I was, and this was the day after I hurt my back. Um, so I was just trying to focus on not being like, you know, it, it only happens like it's been, I looked at the last time this happened it was like two years ago and just every now and then. And I know it's because I have horrible like technique when I'm bending down, you know, I, I think the day, cause I'm trying to put some weight on now with lifting. And so I was doing chest the day before there's a lot of dumbbells and, you know, you have to bend down to get those. And I, I just wasn't lifting with my legs. And so then the the day after I was doing a lower back row and it just, that's where it happened. Well, it, it was, so I was just, like, a, like a tickle bent over row. No, not a bent over row. This was the one you sit down oh. and then you're, you know, that hurt your back. And so this is what's weird about it is, is it, it's most of the time a relatively innocuous like action on my end that causes it. So I'll just be like, for example, one time I was just sitting on the couch doing nothing. And then I felt a muscle spasm and it like, dude, it feels like lightning is going through your back. It's so horrible. And then it's, and then it's painful for at least two days to the point where, you know, I got to get a back brace on and then I can kind of take some of the pressure off of it. And then it just relieves itself. And then, yeah, yeah, day three or four. It's usually like you know when you like overwork a muscle and it's just kind of achy. Yep. Feels like that, and then then you know now is a full week and a day later, and I feel a little bit better. Damn, it's kind of fortuitous though. I mean, it it happened right when we went on break and I had some time off, so I just laid up and chilled, played some new video games with my kiddo. So yeah, good stuff. Hell but yeah. no, I I I didn't really. If there was any um, drama, I certainly missed it. So that doesn't mean I I don't deal with <laughs> like it, uh. The uh, because Christmas is coming up now, and that tends to be a time when I get more people together. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, that's for for anybody listening here. One of the things we wanted to talk about today was, you know, how can how can you communicate? Because these things come up, and I think taking the approach of, well, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion when family comes around. And I think money too. Is and one money. Of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably so um I think it becomes like that that whole pink elephant concept, you know, that when you say don't don't do this, don't do this, you know, we're not we're not gonna talk about this, then that's kind of what everybody has on their mind. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm kind of more of the idea, just embrace it. Now you you can embrace it with without becoming upset or angry with one another. I mean, no, clearly you can't control your, your, the other people, but definitely you can control yourself right in the, in these situations. And the thing I don't want to have happen is somebody to feel like they weren't able to talk about what they wanted to talk about and that their point was slighted. Yeah. You know, when they come into these situations, have you ever done that? Have you, have you ever just been at a gathering and bit your tongue? Not because you didn't dare make your point, but because you didn't want to, ruffle feathers or anything um yeah yeah um it was more (laughs) it well it was for good reasons though because they were so one of one of like occasionally for those of you who are listening for occasionally 
Jeff and I, or any of our counselors for that matter, will work with a high profile client, right? High profile meaning that they were in the news, not that they are a celebrity, but that their case was, I suppose, infamous enough that it caught the attention of the public eye for a period of time. And then they came and did treatment with us. And so on one occasion, you know, the, um, a topic came up and they were discussing like the case of a client that I was working with. And I was like, Oh, I can't say anything about this, you know, because I had privileged knowledge of, of the case and I didn't want to share a lot. Now, you know, I, I, now I walked away from that feeling like I wish I had done something about it, you know, at least said something about it because the way that it was, I, I think that they were basing their, their opinions and everything off of a lack of information. Whereas I've had more information from the client and I, I got more full context of the story and, and you can have an opinion on anybody's behaviors or activities one way or another, but you should have full context of the information so you can then make an informed decision. But I couldn't provide that, obviously, because I wasn't going to break confidentiality or anything right, like right, that. Right, right, right. So that's been a time when something like that came up. What about you? Yeah, I – so this is like the weird thing. This is like a personal flaw, I guess, I have to work on among many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are vast. Got a, yeah, got a lot of them. <laughs> I'll – you know, people are talking politics. I'm, I'm a pretty opinionated dude. I've mm-hmm. got, I've got thoughts on things. I've got feelings on things, and I really try to look into and back up and have reasons for believing the things that I believe. Uh, and there'll be times where I hear people talking, and even if I agree with them, sometimes the reason that they're like, if I I could get, agree with them on some type of position that they hold and the reason that they believe what they believe sucks. Like they believe the, the right thing for the wrong reason, I guess, or people that I disagree with completely. And they're, they're talking about just some mainstream media talking points or whatever. And I know that I've got, a good rebuttal or a new way for them to look at it or correcting information. But I have yet in my life to change anybody's mind on anything. When it gets into one of those types of discussions at best, we have a spirited debate. I go away thinking I won. They go away thinking they won at worst, at least to hard feelings. And I've been on the other side of that to where there's hard feelings and uh, not on my end, like, I can agree with you. I can be diametrically opposed to you on a belief and I might make fun of you or talk mm-hmm. some shit, but like we're still buds, but I I've well, been on the other from end your, of your, from your perspective, from my perspective, but they may not feel the same way. Right. Right. And right. that's happened. And, well, and so I'll, I'll bite my tongue mm-hmm. and I'll just like, I'll let things pass by. And then, and then it's like, I, I feel like a coward for not saying what I believe. But then I, when I think further about it, it's like, Mars, not that I'm a coward. It's that maintaining the relationship is more important to me than proving my point. So I just shut up. Okay. It so it's kind of like one of those, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be in a relationship? That's it. Type situations. Okay. Well, I mean, that that's a good example of, and I mean, I've had, other examples too. More recently, that's just one that I had, but I, I, I like what you're saying because, you know, so for anybody who's practicing a new skill and we tell this to clients all the time, it's like, look, um, like some of our clients who are 
you know, currently house incarcerated in an institution, right? Um, they will routinely tell us that um, the skill that we're trying to teach will not work with some of the officers, you know, with whom they interact. They, they say it won't work, and they'll give us a variety of reasons. Yeah. Most of which have to do with the other side's behaviors, right? So they'll re- they'll reference an officer being too hard-headed or stubborn or, 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 or an asshole or, or whatever, right? Now, that may or may not be true. I don't know, you know, because most of our clients have their own social problems to begin with, social skill problems to begin with. What I say is, well, we can't really, we can't really control how the other person goes, right? We, we learn these social skills a piece at a time, and the only thing you can do is follow through with the social skill as it was designed and based on, you know, the appropriateness of the situation. Now, after that, um, you know, how the person reacts is really on them. Right. And how the person reacts really kind of determines what I do next. A lot of times that, that then requires that I use a different social skill. I don't double down on this one. Maybe I shift gears. Maybe it turns turns into a, a personal coping strategy for me. So I think the the risk here that we run about not communicating with family members or anybody in any of these social social situations and doing it in an assertive way is what you referenced was you feel like you know you you didn't assert yourself and um it's almost like you kind of you know chickened out and let yourself right. down in the moment that's what we're trying to avoid because that you can control you can at least and, and like you said don't be a dick. That's never good for a conversation because then the attention turns away from whatever point you're trying to make to you being a dick. And it, then it's all, you know, nothing really comes out of it. So the question is, can I communicate my assertively, but then maintain some dignity? And then if the person gets, you know, their feelings hurt or whatever, okay. I mean, that's on them. I, I want that choice to be theirs, not because I forced it in that direction. Uh, well, you know me, I can be really mean when I want to. And I try to stay away from that because then I know that was deliberate on my end and it had nothing to do with, you know, providing a cogent argument for whatever my point was. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we were going to talk about communicating assertively today and kind of share that skill. This is a skill that we teach our clients who are incarcerated in substance use, sex offense, in the jails and the prisons, all these things to kind of do some of these things. What, what, like, uh, <laughs> I'm curious, what was your, like when you were learning about assertive communication? Cause it's, it kind of, you know, at one point or another in our lives, we're all going to hear those three forms of communication or no four, you know, there's passive, there's aggressive, assertive and passive aggressive, you know, uh-huh. they, and, and yeah. then they give you a little dumb cliched example. I mean, what was your kind of first exposure to it? <laughs> that uh, yeah. <laughs> horrible. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, the four communication styles, assertive, aggressive, passive and passive aggressive. And that the way I first learned it was uh, the, the message that each of those communication styles sends. And so like, Assertive sends the message, I'm okay, you're okay. Passive sends the message, you're okay, I'm not okay. Passive aggressive says, I'm not okay, you're not okay. And aggressive says, I'm okay, you're not okay. Right. And that's that's kind of the way I learned it. Wait, what is passive aggressive? Is neither of us are okay. Right. Like, like I don't have the balls to bring it up with you, but also I'm saying, you know, I'm communicating. Things. And I'll slash your tires yeah, later when yeah. you're not looking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it, it kind of my... Oh, 
I always, um, I love the canned assertive statements, right? So they'll have a canned assertive statement that says, I feel, <laughs> when you. fill in the blank of the emotion, <laughs> yeah. when you fill in the blank, reference the behavior that, you know, is, is causing the problems. And I would appreciate it if fill in the blank on the desired behavior. I'm just going to say. Give an example of how that would sound. Yeah. Like. If you didn't like that I was doing something. I feel hurt when you insult my hats <laughs> and I would appreciate it if you'd kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it starts out all nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's the problem with that? Cause I mean, I, like I know how I feel internally when people talk like that. Uh, people don't talk like that. That's but, what, uh, yes. So, it feels phony as shit. Right. Yeah. So I've, it, I mean, I don't know. I've done thousands of sessions at this point, groups and individuals. I've never once those, those words in that sequence have never come out of my face right. ever. So I, it, I think assertive communication is not so much about the content of your words so much as the style in which you're delivering them. Okay. Right. So, and assertive does not have to mean, this is the part where people come across, this is where it gets kind of tricky because like, think about it like this. So we all know passive isn't good. We all know aggressive isn't good. But if I talk about assertive, what do you think? Do you think people, and I I know what assertive communication sounds like, but from just a, a, a lay person's perspective or a person who, I don't know, might be misperceiving it, do you think it leans more aggressive or leans more passive? It gets conflated with aggressive. Right, right, exactly. And really what I think you should do is when you think about Assertive communication, it's about confidence. Confidence in what I'm saying and and mm. that I want to get my point across to you um, in terms of the meaning of, of my feelings and my thoughts without being aggressive. But that doesn't mean that I, I can't feel confident when I'm communicating with you. So it's about what you – so you're, you're saying if you project confidence – but I mean like – okay, well, so – because you could also project confidence aggressively, mm-hmm. you know? And so I guess what would the differentiation be in like, or, or, or are you saying that if I project confidence aggressively, it's not true confidence because I'm using like, I'm power, I'm puffing up on you. And that's not true confidence because I'm compensating with puffing myself up. Yeah. I, I mean, certainly you can get what you want out of people sometimes in terms of, of being aggressive. Right. But Choosing to be aggressive versus choosing to be assertive, I mean, that's a choice. So my behavioral choice to now be this way may result in the outcome that I desire, but it doesn't do much in the way of building our interpersonal relationship. So assertive communication says, yeah, if I demonstrate confidence in in not just the content of what I'm saying to you, but also in the way in which I'm delivering it, then again, the likely – now, this I always tell clients this too – um, using a social skill, this is where it gets tricky is because we tell them, here's a social skill. And, um, you know, the reason why we do this is we're trying to increase the likelihood that you're going to build more fruitful long-term relationships, right? It's not a guarantee. So anybody listening to this can't think that just because you use this skill appropriately, that it's a guarantee because interpersonal relationships rely on 
me, and at least one other person. And unfortunately, I don't control the other person's interpretation of how this is coming across. That that That's kind of what you were referencing when you're saying that a lot of times we'll teach these to clients in a facility and they'll mm-hmm. say that would never work on officer Johnson because right. he will do X, Y, Z. But would you like the way I say it to him is like, I, I just kind of come off that. Well, I explain what you just did mm-hmm. that, you know, we, it, it, there's another person involved in this, but it, it, it boosts your chances. Sure. And I say, well, I say certainly with that attitude, this is never going to work. So in, in, in short, it's worth a shot. Now, if they respond I mean, I would want to know how they respond, and this is where we bring them back. So we give them a skill. We ask our clients to go practice this, and then we ask them to report back to us of how it worked. And my, the reason why we do that is because we want to troubleshoot. I mean, was this a, a, a delivery problem in terms of how you delivered it? Was, was this contextually just not a great idea to use this skill in particular? Bad timing. Right. Or, or is – because the reality is, is yeah – other people sometimes are assholes and and even the best social skills will not work on them okay yeah. it does increase the likelihood and so that's where i say and and that's good information too by the way like if you're asserting yourself and and demonstrating a good communication and every time it comes off to the other person and they get rubbed the wrong way well that's their choice right and that's their interpretation. We can't own that. So what that does, though, is that tells me who this person is. And if I know kind of how this person has reacted across the spectrum of all of our conversations, well, then I then get to choose how much I want to engage them or not engage them in the future because I know that, you know, and, and how I yeah. treat them in the future. So it's predictable, and with predictability comes an element of control. I can control the level of communication I'm having with this person because I don't want to get into a fruitless argument that's just going to result in everybody getting up, you know. So that that helps me understand that when I want to take a step out from this particular topic, I'm not doing that because I don't want to assert my point. I'm doing that because I know it's going to fall on deaf ears and it's going to it's going to destroy the conversation anyway and everybody's going to have a good time. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with making a decision not to assert myself not because I I didn't get my point across and I feel like I didn't hold up my dignity, but because it was the best option for what was happening at the time. And I made the right decision by not screwing everybody's night over. Right. Right. Yeah. So kind of how we look at this, um, is when we like, I don't know, when we think about the, the skill, one of the things we want to ask ourselves is kind of think about a time when, you know, someone didn't think about your feelings and how you handled that. So like, I mean, to me, I think about times in which somebody hasn't really thought very much about my feelings and how I handled that. Um, this is step one. Yeah, this is, well, this is just a way to bring this up to a client. And and I mean, anybody listening is, is start to think about a situation in which somebody didn't think about your feelings and, and how you handled that. And, um, you know, I think about, uh, sometimes when we're dealing with government entities, right. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe they're coming back at us or griping at us because we didn't fulfill something on an agreed scope of work that we're doing. And we have legitimate reasons why that didn't happen. And we're providing them with an explanation of, well, we did this, and usually it's a failure on another 
party that we had zero control over. And so everything that we're doing on our end is trying to communicate. Maybe it was because we didn't see a client or something like that. And everything we're doing is trying to communicate why this didn't happen. And there are legitimate reasons why it didn't happen. And rather than validating that and saying, oh, yeah, that sounds really difficult and really tricky. It sounds like you guys made a lot of effort. And then moving forward with some sort of idea of how can we problem solve this in the future, which would make me feel better about it. They just dismiss it and say, well, this is your obligation. You have to follow through with this. I'm like, well, okay. But I mean, like how, how at that point? I mean, I get what you're saying, but under certain circumstances, I, I really truly don't know what I'm supposed to do. So, I mean, I'm, I, Getting into specifics is irrelevant. I'm just saying that those are times when I feel like my my feelings and my thoughts are not being heard and or validated, and it's just like oh, I don't care. You, you know, that's your problem. I'm like, well, <laughs> kind of. I mean, but I w- think w- would you say that if you're on the receiving end of that, you know, like, hey, you guys aren't doing your job. This client wasn't seen. That's your responsibility. Like that, like. People might get confused if, as to if that's assertive or aggressive. You're 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 saying that without treating like w- without both parties feeling like they're at, on equal on an equal playing field as far as being able to like troubleshoot and problem solve, and yeah. that 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 would be aggressive on their end, or would it is that mm. or or, do, or does does it not matter what? Uh, I think it's almost just well. I mean it. I don't know if uh, this is a style of communication, but it's just very dismissive, you know, like um, we're not going to validate it. We're not going to acknowledge that you did make the efforts. It didn't happen. And so that's your fault. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, unfortunately, that's not entirely true. Now, the next question to kind of think about is, were you able to express yourself in the moment in time, Mm -hmm. right? So question one is, has there been a time that you felt somebody didn't you know, acknowledge your feelings and, and then were you able to express yourself at that moment in time? And I, this is where it gets tough because you can't say what's on your mind at that, at that point in time, because if, if certain people control like funding or you don't want to get uh, blacklisted or something like that, then you hold your tongue and it really turns into one of those, okay, thanks for the feedback. You know, that that's all you can really do at that point. And whether it gets, um, you know, whether that's where that gets, and, and a lot of this goes through like emails. So I, I, I have to imagine to some degree that when you're thinking about official lines of communication, people want a paper trail to which they can refer at a later date in yeah. case the worst happens for liability purposes. Uh, and I get that. Not that anybody's like deliberately screwing anybody over, but uh, it, you know, it would be nice to just have a conversation about this and be validated from from time to time, you know? So I think that folks listening to this clients or, you know, anybody practitioners or just, you know, general public is that's kind of where to start and then acknowledge how that feels. Cause that's why assertive communication is so important is, um, even if somebody doesn't acknowledge my feelings, you're going to increase the likelihood that they are going to acknowledge your feelings. If you communicate assertively. And you, and you know, not, I just real briefly, not cause I don't want to get off on a rabbit hole with this, but kind of in the same vein that I think that speaks to how it's so easy to misinterpret things when they're, when it's written communication, as opposed to a conversation like you and I are having tone is tough to interpret. And, you know, in, 
in a written correspondence, like through email, it's there for official purposes, liability, CYA, all of that. But like it without, I guess, a, a real focus on trying to make it clear that you're acknowledging their feelings and beliefs that, uh, it, it, it's easy for a strongly worded text message or email to completely derail what could be a good conversation. Right. Right. And I think, so on, on that end, now that's me using some mental gymnastics on my end to kind of excuse, I guess you could say, or, or, or just provide a, an alternative explanation for what I'm reading in that email is I just remind myself it's an email. So really the idea of this is, um, hopefully anybody listening knows this, but if you don't, none of these social skills work within the context of sending a text message or that's probably worth saying. Email. I mean, even why is that? Well, for exactly the reasons why you just said, um, it's, and it's not just tone, right? Like we've, I mean, because tone is one thing I can pay attention to tone, but, and, and tone is, but tone has a few different elements. Tone is, is defined by kind of the, um, the nature of the words that I'm using, but also like actual, the tone or pitch of my voice volume, you know, like cadence, those things are all really important, which people don't pay attention to. Now, the part that is also left out, and this is, you know, I think equally important is I got to pay attention to body language, particularly facial expressions. Okay, body language as far as, and don't get, I mean, I'm not a huge believer in this body language expert stuff. Like when people, they're asked a question and they scratch their head or something. I'm like, he may have just had right. an itch for right. God's sakes. Like, he looked down to the left. It's like, right. Who cares? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm an idiot when it comes to that stuff. So who the hell knows? What I am saying though is is on a more subtle or a more obvious level, I guess I could say, not a subtle level. Um, you know, I can I can interpret an aggressive posture of a, of another person, and I certainly can look at a facial expression and and get a sense of where they are. I mean, not always, but um, I can get a sense of where they are in terms of how this conversation is going by a facial expression. So I would say, at the very, very, very least, this should be a phone conversation with the other person, don't you think? Yeah, because yeah. at least then you're you at least have, getting some kind of feedback. Yeah, you're like seventy five percent of the way there, you know, and and you have more information than you did simply through an email. So, um, you know, I'm not saying now throw out your social skills when you're going through email. What I am saying is filter your interpretation of what they're saying through that through that prism of well, this is a this is an electronic medium of communication, and I should not apply tone. In fact, why not just give them the benefit of the doubt every single time on, in terms of tone, right? Like that makes more yeah. sense than start with giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. And then go from there because you, cause you can always look at something as, you know, like just put some nastiness on there. Yeah. <laughs> of course you got it. Right. Yep. So, so yeah, we, when we, when we kind of move on now, we do have some steps to this. looks like we have four as far as this goes that you and I have kind of uh, Are you showing this to the viewers? No, okay. no, 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 no. Um, so, and, and I suppose we could, right? I could whip up a a quick write write this thing down type situation or whatever. But um, yeah, 
let's we could do that, right? Yeah. Let me let me pull this up. But um can can you think of a time when when I don't know, recently when somebody hasn't really validated your feelings? Uh, you know, I was I was expecting that question to come up and I <laughs> and I I just have a hard time holding on to things. I I can't probably uh, off the top of my head, I can't really. Yo, no, everybody yeah. validates my feelings. Yeah, everyone validates my feelings. all the time equally. <laughs> That's yeah, okay. Yeah, legit. Just not able to come up with one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. That's the maybe I maybe I stole yours. That's why you didn't. I mean, yeah, that would have because it's an example. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, definitely is. It definitely is something that that I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to pay attention to sometimes when these when these things come up. Do we have we have the type of job mm-hmm. though to where like we just can't take things personal doing mm-hmm. what we do for a living. You know, forensic social work. You know, we when we're meeting with clients that are court ordered to talk to us. uh, they don't want to be there, a lot of them, at least at first. When we're oh, right. come on. They all want to be there. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, look, after a month with me, they love it. But yeah. it, I don't know. I, I I think it's like a necessary trait uh-huh. in our line of work to have a real short-term memory when it comes to that stuff. It's like with football. I don't know why this reminds me of this, but um, it's like kind of common in football mm-hmm. to that uh, – what makes a good cornerback, not quarterback, but cornerback mm-hmm. is having a real short-term memory. I mean, running a four, three, 40 yard dash also matters, mm-hmm. but if you get burned for a touchdown, you can't let that get in your head. You have to be right <laughs> back and, you know, and, and say, for, okay, I got burned, forget it, yeah. move on. And I, I think that we have to be a little bit like that as well. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, if I stopped and thought about it, I could probably come up with something, but I don't know. I've, I've, I've kind of conditioned myself to, Unless it's real egregious to kind of water off a duck's back. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Well, so here's here's kind of step one, and we'll go through each step um, individually. So um, step one is decide why the situation could lead to conflict. And so this is a thinking step. So initially, um, and when you think about, you know, we have two different types of, of steps. We have thinking and action steps. And sometimes we have thinking and action steps. The way that I've always communicated this is a thinking step is one and one of because you're doing something. I mean, you are, you know, it's not it's not the verb, it's not the action language that's telling you that this is a thinking versus an action step because you're deciding, which is a verb. But outwardly, nobody should nobody should be able to observe you doing this. Right. This should be internal. And are you slowing this down to a ridiculous degree? Well, yeah, of course you are because what you're trying to do is you're trying to slow down the process that I'm reacting to a situation and trying to slow that down and give it some steps. So then I can hopefully insert some of that control over my behaviors and I can assertively communicate myself. So when people are like, does this really happen? Well, yeah, but you are so unaware of it, you know, because your mind is working so quickly that we don't really acknowledge this. But this is the step one for assertive communication, which is decide why the situation could lead to conflict. So I guess the question on that is like, what are, what are some situations that have the tendency to lead to conflict? Like what are the ones that come up the most when you're talking to clients? Like what, under what circumstances do do we often see the conflict happening? Um, like a client therapist conflict could be, I, I want to 
you know, I want to go be with my family on Christmas, but mm-hmm. you know, underage kids, safety plans, not at the right spot and treat me yet. Oh yeah. That, how that's that a good, one? yeah, that's a good, that's a good kind of, uh, a good example, especially for the time. So a lot of our clients, especially those who have been convicted of a sexual offense, they, they will, you know, they have to often put safety plans in place and, um, those safety plans have to be approved by multiple parties in order for them to kind of go participate in the, in the exact situations that we're talking about that lead to conflict sometimes. So my therapist will, I'll get into that initial conflict with my therapist because maybe we disagree on it and kind of go from there. Yeah. And like just to further illustrate it, like a a client that's newish to treatment, may well not be able to be with their family on Christmas. Right. Because they haven't achieved the right steps yet. And that that that's a big fat bummer for people. Right. And that leads to conflict between therapists and clients all right. the time. So and and it uh, clearly conflict is not limited to that situation. We're just giving an example. So we'll we'll kind of we'll use this for the context of our conversation. But for those of you listening we, you know, step one is think about the, you know, why the situation could lead to conflict. So I, I might say, I, as a therapist, have to keep safety in mind. I have to adhere to the program parameters. I, mm-hmm. ne- I need to make well-informed decisions that even though I maybe want to be accommodating that there's bigger goals like, uh, you know, maintaining the safety of everybody. And from the client's point of view, they, they might feel that they're perfectly safe. They are better off going home. It, it's, it's important to be with family mm-hmm. and that maybe even it's lower risk for them to be with their family because they're, they're happy around the holiday time. So I think that would be sort of the, why the situation could lead to conflict. And the hope is that when I'm using this skill, that the other person is using this skill as well. I mean, you know, consistent with what I'm doing now that, that can't always be the case, obviously. So, I mean, and, and, and I think if you're a counselor, you look at this and you say, well, yes, yeah, sometimes we make decisions that's in our client's best interest that they don't believe is in their best interest, right? right? And so this becomes difficult. Now, that kind of goes to step two, which is uh, determine your ultimate goal for this situation, okay? So um, now ultimate goal, the one thing I, I think about this is your goal might have a couple of different parts to it. So like as a therapist, when I'm thinking about that, that might be something as simple as, well, I want to validate my client's concerns um, for why they're not allowed to do what they're allowed to do or why I have to deny their request. I want to um, I want to make sure that my point is coming across that where my decision is and what my recommendation is, but I also don't want to damage the relationship. So I have kind of like three different goals, all of which... Are, are positive in my opinion, but I need to kind of think about what's the, the type of communication that's most likely going to get me all three of those goals. Cause I can certainly do other things that could meet one, not the other two and, or anything like that. So as you're going through this, the one thing to do is, is to really think about what's your ultimate goal as far as these things go. I mean, am I missing anything as far as a therapist side of that? No, no. And I, I, I think that's, so the, the goals that you mentioned are good examples because it it's not overtly obvious how to meet all three of those goals. You know, as as therapists, we have to thread the needle a bit mm-hmm. in being able to find that the 
the way to achieve that ultimate goal. And so like it, because again, it's not overtly obvious. How do you simultaneously maintain rapport with the client, get them to understand where you're coming from, validate where they're coming from, but hold your ground. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not easy, but yeah, but the ultimate goal would be able to maintain the relationship and make sure the client is on board with following through on not going home for Christmas. Right. And, and I, I think if you're just in like a normal situation with like your family members too, you, you, the, the part that I like about that in terms of the goal is that you're also considering the other person's thoughts and feeling thoughts and feelings in the yeah. matter. Like we're, we're, we're concerned about how our communication style is going to come across on them because we want to maintain the relationship. Cause th- this is what I, <laughs> I mean, this is what I kind of tell clients a lot of the times is, is that, well, if this is a person with whom you don't really want a relationship, then why have, you know, why are you wasting your time? Move on, keep walking. Right now it, it there's a matter of want to, and there's a matter of have to. Okay. And, and, um, or maybe not, you know, so like officers, for example, in a jail setting or a prison setting, my client can easily tell me, I don't want to have a relationship with that guy. I get it, but <laughs> they control a lot of your day-to-day activity and the small privileges that you have, you know, and this could be in the community too, with say like a PO or even with my counselor, some of the small privileges that I do have or their permissions that I do they're, they are contingent about the quality of this relationship that I have with this other person. And so that moves it away. You should want to have a relationship with that person. It, you, not that you guys are going to go to each other's weddings or anything like that or each other's barbecues or whatever, but more so that I want to have a civil working relationship with this person because it benefits me. It benefits me in terms of getting the things that I want in life, you know, and it's mutually beneficial for them because it helps not have closed lines of communication when the other person is trying to assess, you know, how well I'm doing or my danger or or anything like that. So that's, that's kind of the thing is, is if this is some stranger off the street you don't need social skills. Just keep walking. You know, you don't need to use this relationship when you, this is for, again, trying to bolster or maintain social relationships that you feel are important or already exist and that you want to maintain for whatever reason. Okay. Just something to think about when, when you're working with this. Cause it, it I was going to say, I've heard you call it preferred relationships versus important relationships. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. I prefer to spend time with some people and then there's people I don't prefer to spend time with, but it's really important that I have a relationship with them. Right. Especially in the case that you're talking about. Uh, it's it's in the client's best interest to consider me an important relationship, and it's the uh, right. same on the inverse. Right, exactly. So that leads us to step three. Step three is brainstorm what you could say that would help you reach your goal. And we, we have a kind of a unique way of looking at brainstorming. So like when we train other clinicians on this, the way we teach, like brainstorming, is it also useful to think about, I don't know, bad ideas when we brainstorm? Yeah. Why? Why is that? Well, in addition to making for an entertaining group when we teach it, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of times if you come up with something outlandish or a, a bad idea, uh, on, you, you could say that it, you know, it puts all variables on the table once we know like kind of the extremes. Okay, well, how do we work from there? Also, sometimes a bad idea might 
jog your mind into thinking of a really good idea that you might not have otherwise considered if not for the bad idea. Like ultimately by not censoring yourself on brains on, on the ideas through which you brainstorm, you're, you're, uh, you're allowing your brain to kind of step outside the box, so to speak, and to, and to come up with a lot of variables. And then once we have a lot of variables, we can trim the fat and find the good ones. Right. The, kind of the way that I look at it is, um, okay, s- some of the, some of the things that we, you know, I, I try to say that in the past we've talked about that all human behavior is not arbitrary. Like there is some sort of perceived or actual incentive oh, yeah. towards whatever we do. Right now, sometimes I think it's difficult if, if whatever we're doing is simply just kind of breaking even. So sometimes my assertive communication or whatever it is that I'm doing, I don't really see an incentive. You know, somebody doesn't jump out of a bush with a trophy and like, you did it, you know, or any, or anything, nothing like that happens. Sometimes I just break even. I don't, I don't really get any good outcome from this, but I also don't get like any bad consequences coming in this. So the reason why I think it's useful to think about like bad options when I'm brainstorming is because you kind of trick yourself into recognizing the incentive in breaking even because because you think about it like this you you have two different tracks in terms of your behavior your behavior is going to result in a positive outcome for you and the other for hopefully for you okay and the hope is, is that mutually the other person has a positive outcome too right the other one is avoidance of negative outcomes that's that's about as good as it gets sometimes right so those are the two incentive structures you get a positive outcome or you avoid a negative outcome. I mean, we don't want negative outcomes. That's not incentives. But avoiding a negative outcome is an incentive. Are those not always the same thing? No, 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 no. Avoiding the, a negative outcome does not require that I have a positive outcome. Okay. Because avoiding a negative outcome, again, might just break even. I haven't really moved the needle, but I certainly haven't gone backwards, right? Right which in my opinion, you should have an incentive for that. So it's kind of like I trick myself into thinking that there's an incentive because I look at what the negative behavior is and I see, oh yeah, that would result in a negative outcome. So choosing not to do that is taking me from you know negative five to zero. I know zero is way better than negative five. There's my positive outcome. It's simply the avoidance of a negative outcome. So when, when we look at two decisions, and we put the bad decision against the good decision, the good decision is bolstered by looking at the bad, the consequences of the bad decision. That makes sense. Right. So when we juxtapose those two things, we say, oh yeah, that makes a lot more sense to do that. I'm not really moving the needle my way. I don't get any new things coming into my life, but at least it's not that, you know? And that's, that's incentive. That's incentive for behaving this way, right? So that's kind of how I tell clients, yeah, brainstorming is effective. You may think that you understand what to do first, and that might be what you do, but don't dismiss what you could do in terms of bringing negative outcomes because you want to highlight that if, if right. all you're doing is breaking it. even. Yeah, and I think that when, when I don't know, I've had some pretty good success when I bring it up to clients like that, especially because they think sometimes their efforts are, are fruitless, you know, and they're kind of like, Ugh, I don't even want to do that. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'm not saying you're going to, but they don't want to go through the effort of brainstorming it because they already kind of have what they think they're going to do. Well, right. And, and, and you like what you want out of this goal, you may not get it. 
So like, for example, if I have a client wanting to go to a holiday party and there's going to be a lot of people at this party and maybe, maybe this is a substance use client and they're at, per our discussion, we've discussed the fact that the eggnog is going to be spiked and, you know, uncle Joe has a marijuana card and, you know, all this, all the reasons why sometimes they'd have an, an unnecessary risk exposure if they went to this holiday party. My client wants to go to the holiday party because they want to see their family. But at the very least, like I could tell my therapist to F off, you know, if I wanted to. Um, but, and I look at that and I say, well, if I do that, I'm, I'm going to insult my therapist. I'm going to damage the relationship. On the other hand, if I just accept what they're saying and express how bad that sucks and process those feelings, I don't get what I want. I don't go to the holiday party, but damn, I don't, I don't ruin the relationship with my therapist. And that it's better than nothing. Right. You know, that's, that's kind of where that lands. So once that's all done, we get into step four and step four is choose the best way and express yourself. I feel upset when you don't let me go to the Christmas party. I'd appreciate it if you'd reconsider. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Some nonsense like that. Um, and, and look, I, uh, what I would say is, can you, can you just express yourself honestly? That's the most important thing. Um, not and, worrying about the, I feel statements. Right, right. Yeah. I, it's, it's irrelevant. I mean, I hate that magic, like, language that somehow use, I mean, like if, if you just somehow plug in, I feel it, it solves it. And then, and then of course they find a hack for that. Cause oh, I feel you're an asshole. Yeah, well, like, it's like, <laughs> exactly. Well now yeah. you're starting over and you're like, you know, so only I feel statements in this group. And I'm like, yeah, that can be hacked immediately. Don't know. Yeah. Stay away from those things. You know, like the whole point is, can this person express themselves honestly? Now, Maybe that they use some colorful language, okay? And as a therapist, like you said, I have to have some thick skin associated with that. And we can talk about the use of language for future relationships when I'm working with somebody. But may, at that point, I don't really care. What I'm looking for is genuine expression of emotion. That's it. That's all I want, mm. you know? And not a, not an aggressive matter, non-threatening, just like... so. That's really kind of what that boils down to in terms of the benefit for our clients is, is really going through that and, and expressing yourself. So I, I I don't know. It just seems seems to me that this is not an opportunity to get caught up in like I don't know, naughty words, you know, like Right. <laughs> it just right. Cause somebody could be genuine and non aggressive and still use the F word, unfortunately. It's doable, totally right. doable, you know. So I don't know. I mean, uh, therapists always I was asking my students about this and we had a conversation about this the other day about swearing in groups and somebody brought that up and of course you know it some you had one side and there was a small minority who said nope that you know they should use appropriate language in groups and i'm like i don't know what appropriate language is you know but and then others said no you should let them talk any way that they want which i don't know i mean there are certain things you probably ought to not say in groups, you know, <laughs> I, I can think of a few. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's somewhere in the middle. I do want you to express yourself genuinely. And this is your session after all. And so any, I think a therapist is limiting anytime you start placing behavioral rules on the content of the conversation, you're really limiting your client's ability to express themselves fully. So just be aware of that. That's, I mean, you do your sessions however you want, but that's, that's, one of the things if I put limitations on that, then unfortunately some of our clients they're 
their language is limited to some of those things, and that's their best way to express and, that. And, and yeah, they're not going to learn to speak assertively if you limit them. Go, go back to that uh, the the what you typed up there. Those oh four. yeah, yeah, yeah. So d- just kind of. So when we're teaching this to clients, you know, step four is where we actually, that that's the action step where, you know, you'd actually say whatever it is you decided to say. I mean, notice that there's three thinking steps before all of that. Mm-hmm. And again, the temptation is to jump right to saying the thing that you want to say. The And, you know, Mace, earlier you talked about how this is definitely slowed down and drawn out. Uh, you know, this doesn't, this process doesn't necessarily happen in real time. But again, if I'm deciding why the situation could lead to conflict, the, the benefit there is I'm, I'm now taking the perspective of another person and I have my reason, but I'm having to anticipate why they might feel the way they feel. So I'm all, I'm already going to be toning down the potential aggression and what I have to say while at the same time reinforcing why I think it's worth bringing up. And then, you know, step two, that's, you know, it, it's tough to have the exact thing to say that's perfect, but we have, if we have goals, you know, even if they're goals that seem like they're mutually exclusive, uh, if you, if you're considering like, okay, at the end of this conversation, once I say this thing, here's the desired outcome. I want this to be the desired outcome. I can't control that, but some potential ways that I could do that are as follows. And then I'd brainstorm, I, I could do this, you know, moderate thing. I could do this moderate thing. I could do this crazy ass, horrible thing. <laughs> um, you know what? Yeah. Maybe I'll just do that. The, the moderate thing here. And then that's finally, once I've thought through all that, I've weighed my options. Then finally I'll open my big fat mouth and then I'll speak. Right. And, and when we, when we train this in groups, um, with our clients or even in individuals, I mean, this is, this is a, for like one client and one skill, it's a 20 minute conversation. And and this, the, the point of that, and I think what you were saying is really important. So I'm glad you brought it back up. The point of that is you're taking something that happens in less than three seconds and turning it into a 15 minute dialogue between you and the client to really break it down, which is useful because if they don't do that, then, then really that is the best mechanism that we've come up with for slowing our thoughts down and being able to, for, and this is all for the future because trust me, what I'm not suggesting is that you in real time, pull out a handout and start going through this when you're trying to communicate something. The The idea is, is that in a controlled setting and you guys can do this on your own, like listeners, you can do this on your own. If you want, those steps are readily available, you know, and you can practice this just by thinking about those situations. And sometimes you can look for previous situations. Most of the time we look at situations that are about to happen that we know we have to use uh, assertive communication like holiday parties. And we say, Okay, practices and and play it out in your head how it's going to go, almost like athletes do when they're trying to play out how a play is going to go, right? And then that's the best. And then practice it, slow it down, think it all the way through, and you are increasing the chance and the probability that you're going to use the skill in real time when that situation comes up. And without that, then you're, you know, there's no better way to do it than that. So that's just one thing that we kind of, I don't know, I think is, is useful for our clients. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that, I hope that that's helpful for you guys because definitely, um, you know, as these things come up in the future, I'd like to, I'd like to hear if there was, a if anybody tried this skill kind of 
I mean, I task any of our listeners to do this. Try the skill, um, if, particularly if they have a difficult family member, you know, with whom they're going to be spending some time during the, either Christmas or New Year's or whenever. And then tell us how it went because so maybe I've, we could share any. Sure. interesting uh, messages that we get from you guys. Right. And we will do the same thing because then that I think will help us deconstruct it. And that's what we do with clients. We troubleshoot, we wash, rinse, repeat. And then, you know, sometimes we will just conclude, eh, maybe that wasn't the best skill for that moment. And then we kind of go from there. Right. So, okay. Well, folks, that's everything we have on uh, assertive communication. Want to say anything else? Nope. That's it. That's it. Okay. All right. Well, I guess until, until next time, when are we recording our next one? Don't we have a guest coming up here soon? Possibly. Don't even say it. Cause then we jinx it. That's true. So we won't even <laughs> say a guest. Yeah. We will have a new podcast coming out soon. There you go. The end. So, and yeah. soon is within one year. Yeah. <laughs> we can stick to that. We can stick to that. Okay. Later guys. And thanks for listening to the Gorilla Social Work Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Moore and Mace Warren. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all things related to forensic psychotherapy. As always, you can head over to utahsbesttherapy.com to check out our program and check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and wherever you prefer to get your listener fix. Please share this episode with your family and friends, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating, which really helps us out. You guys are awesome. We'd like to stay in chat longer, but we're lying. Good night.